Welcome to a new episode of Bang Kong Podcast. I'm Nick Jimenez, and we are not joined today by our host, Mike Beltran, because like the last episode, this episode is going to be a series of phone calls that I recorded with others in the food world about how they are experiencing and adjusting to the COVID-19 outbreak. It's only been a couple of days since our last episode, which included conversations with chef and restaurateur uh, Danny Surfer, catering pro Adelie Cabrera, and New World Cuisine pioneer Norman Van Aken, but it feels like a ton has changed since then. In this episode, you'll hear from three guests. First, attorney-turned-reality-TV personality-turned-cookbook author and food media star Anna Kinkosis. Then, Matt Kusher of Kush Hospitality, who's been a guest on the podcast before. And finally, Joe Richard, a sous chef who was laid off from his job in Miami Beach as a result of this pandemic and has found an innovative way to help at least some of the people in his situation by keeping them cooking. We'll start with Anna Kingosis. Uh, in her past lives, she was a real estate attorney and one of the personalities on The Real Housewives of Miami. She parlayed that fame into a new career in food, authoring Cuban cookbooks, including one for Versailles, Miami's most iconic Cuban restaurant. A little bit of controversy there about whether it should be pronounced Versailles in English. I'm sticking with Versailles. Uh, and sharing Cuban cooking with audiences on TV and social media. She also has a brand of sauces and marinades that's distributed nationally called Skinny Latina. We spoke about how she's experienced the outbreak and how she sees things from her unique vantage point. Okay, so just to, to start, uh, tell me a bit about, like on the personal side, how are, how are you doing with this quarantine thing? Uh, are you, is everything copacetic in terms of your own personal experience and your family? Yeah, you know, I've I've um I'm such a homebody that any opportunity to stay home for an extended period of time is is a nice thing for me. Obviously, this is not the greatest circumstance. I find myself with just entirely too much free time on my hands, which is right. very strange because I'm always running around and never think I have enough time. So so um you know, it's it's and it, but I've noticed what I have noticed and in my family thank God everybody's okay and other than my mother that doesn't listen, we're all, you know, being very careful and, and staying at home and, you know, washing my hands excessively. They're like sandpaper at this point and, <laughs> you know, keeping my house very Cuban clean and, right. and just cooking up a storm. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, and the one thing I've seen, obviously, and the, the, the amount of engagement people that never went in their kitchen before. And now everyone's cooking, like everyone. I mean, people that never boiled an egg are making like jam. <laughs> right. And, and it's really, really funny. Yeah. So the uh, other. Oh, sorry. I was, I was going to say, like, to, to your point, I, I know that I've seen, um, uh, for example, like Massimo Bottura and John George Von Gersten yeah. are doing like Instagram live cooking lessons, which I think is, sure. it, it's very cool, but it's crazy, right? Who knew that that was going to be one of the outcomes? That we would get Maximo, Maximo doing, you know, teaching us stuff. It's it's just it's it's really like a privilege. And we we go into people's kitchens. Michael Simon is cooking every single day from his kitchen. And I, I, you know, another thing that's interesting is that people, because they normally didn't cook, you know, now they're left with all these odds and ends kind of pantry items, and they don't know what to do with them. So I've kind of spent a little time helping people. Like, well, I have a can of chickpeas and pasta and 
I don't know, a fruit roll up, you know, it's like, it's like an episode of Chopped. So tell me a little bit more about that, about what that's looked like for you in terms of, you know, because, because again, I mean, you have, you sort of have your own audience and a, and a fan base that I imagine, you know, looks to you as, as a possible source of like, oh man, what do I do with all this? What, what does yeah. that look like from yeah. your perspective of people turning to, uh, let's call them like your channels, you know, all your social media and whatever other, you know, ways you have to communicate with people for that kind of information? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, I've, I can honestly tell you that to me has been a silver lining because I've always considered myself kind of like the Pied Piper of cooking. And, and I created my brand skinny Latina, you know, the marinades and sauces that I have because it makes it, you know, easy for people, you know, we call it cooking courage in a bottle or, you know, uh, cooking for dummies in a bottle. It's the kind of thing that you put on anything and it tastes great. And so it's a great time for people to be using that. And it's frankly, you know, sold out, at like Whole Foods, it's sold out. At Publix, it's sold out. At Fresh Market, you know, so I'm even doing more online orders. So that part has been good, you know, as opposed to the restaurant industry, which is just really suffering. And it, it kills me because I am, you know, have so many friends that are chefs and I know what it takes and I know, you know, what kind of sacrifice they've made. And then, you know, just, it's just, it's really kind of tragic and you know everything that i've been seeing about how these you know um you know uh, uber eats and and uh, postmates and all these companies that are really not kind of doing their part because we're all kind of in this together and you know the fact that they're still taking such a big chunk of their earnings is just unconscionable to me sure i'm very disappointed in that but uh, on my end, you know, uh, whatever it is that I can do, you know, to help people, whether it's just kind of make them feel empowered in the kitchen, give them an idea of what to make with random ingredients, or just connect in whatever way, saying like, listen, this isn't easy for me either. You know, it's funny because everybody's like, oh, take advantage and organize your closet and do this and do that. And, you know, most of the time, even though I'd like to do all those things, I'm kind of just sitting around and disbelief that this is actually what we're living right now. Right, right. And, and so, yeah. Yeah, and there's all the uncertainty so of not knowing how long we're going to be living here, right? You don't know if you're going to be, you know, back to normal, depending on what normal means could be a while, but you don't know if you're going to be, like, you know, shopping normally or going to restaurants normally in a week or a month or two months. Who knows? Of course, yeah. And, and, and everything they're saying is that it's going to be a long time, and it still looks like younger people are not, Heeding the warnings as they should. And um, so it really has to do, I think people are a little bit more serious now. Um, today I went out, which I haven't, the first time I've gone out in more than eight days. And just because I had to get my mom's stuff from the grocery store, but it's incredible. It's, it's really very, very few people. But my daughter, for example, the one that lives in New York, she says it's a ghost town. Like nobody's out. And then I have another daughter in LA and no one's out. There are more people out in Miami for sure than right. in, a, in those other places. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I but, mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and this is maybe me, not maybe, this is me inserting a little bit of my own uh, opinions here. But then at the same time, it's like, you know, uh, from the perspective of these business owners, that there's got to be something scary about the whole idea of the, just that the general advice seems to be stay inside, stay inside, which from the perspective of somebody in a restaurant means stay away, you know, and then 
Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's it, it's tough to it's tough to know it's tough to know the answers here. Uh, t- tell me a bit about. I wonder well, yeah, because you don't know what. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Go ahead. I, I've been just saying that these restaurants and people that own the restaurants and the people that work there don't know. You know, first of all, we don't know how long it's going to be. They also don't know if the entire industry you know, it's going to, it could be that maybe the top 10% or 20% survive. And, right. uh, and, and, and all of us, we're all in the same boat. It's not like so many of us are independently wealthy or trust fund babies or anything like that. I am extremely worried about this. You know, my kids that are, you know, they're older. One's a lawyer that just switched to a new firm. So she's one of the last ones in. She's concerned. Right. You know, my other daughter's a producer. Are they going to start cutting shows? Are they going to, you know, what happens? She only gets paid when she gets, you know, she's working on a new show. So it's it's just the uncertainty. It's something as an entrepreneur that I've learned to get used to, but this is a different animal. You see the stock market, you see everything. Our economy as we know it has just changed so dramatically and, you know, I do like some of the things that I've seen, the solidarity in the food world, you know, influencers that, um, you know, are, are really promoting local restaurants and takeout and things like that. And kind of even influencers that don't cook. And there's a lot of them that they like food, but they don't cook. They're getting in their kitchen and they're creating stuff. And there's kind of this feeling of if I can do it, you can do it. Right. And it's a way to stay engaged. And I think that that is one of the you know the silver linings of this whole situation yeah so uh i I wonder whether uh you've had maybe conversations or emails or texts or whatever with other people in media maybe that's people at tv networks or publishers uh because you know we tend to hear a lot about the way that restaurants as you mentioned are sort of banding together and trying to sort of pool their efforts to push for for this or that change or this or that message to consumers uh, what have you seen, uh, maybe on that side, right? Among people who are more in the food media side about like, Hey, you know, here's how we can all sort of like work toward the same end or contribute in this or that way. Have you seen any, any of that? You know, I haven't, because I don't think that people in media have been affected in the same way, sure. because this is the time where you want to stay connected to media and connected to, you know, if you have nothing to do, you're going to watch TV. If you want to be informed, you're going to turn on, you know, everything you know listening to podcasts listening watching movies watch you know having to be constantly connected to some kind of news source so you know and they have found a way they have you know the ones that actually go into the studio and i you know i co-hosted a show for a long time you know they're they'll sit at the desk and 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 keep the social distance and um and other people are doing you know doing it from home so they're, you know, and, and people are watching. And so I don't feel that they're as affected, the talent, but ultimately, you know, it's all a trickle down thing. If, if the advertisers aren't there, then the programming is going to suffer. Right. But we haven't gotten there yet because, again, right now, who's getting hit first are the people that had to, you know, lay off employees and the people that, you know, yeah, there's some stimulus package, but when and how and, you know, is $1,000 really going to solve the problem? Not unless you send it to me on a consistent basis. So, so I just, um, I think the restaurant and, and, and businesses where you cannot work from home, those are the people who have gotten hit the hardest. Yeah. Uh, tell and me think, a little bit about, yeah. you know, we, we've spoken to, uh, a 
few people in, in restaurants and catering about how it's affected their business. Tell me a bit about uh, what changes you're making, if any, or how you're adjusting on uh, with with Skinny Latina, right? So that's sort of like a different sector of the food economy. Uh, this you know, sort of like prepackaged yeah. uh, grocery thing. How, how does what are the changes that you make there? You know, on the one hand, you figure there's added demand, but on the other hand, that also involves ramping up production with a staff that may want to stay home. Exactly. Uh, so tell me, exactly. tell me a bit about that. About and, and I also am not familiar with like how you're what you're manufacturing or you know where that right. comes from. So, so. You're right. So I have a co-packer. Um, that creates the products. I have stock right now. I have, you know, I have, I have, you know, have a distributor that that takes it to like Whole Foods and Publix, Fresh Market, Milam's, places like that. So, right now, you know, right now uh, they're on a skeletal staff, and they are not distributing like that. I can't just go to Publix and drop off cases of sauce. You know, I can do that in some places like Fresh Market and, and that kind of stuff. But but really, it goes through the distributor. So the distributor is shut down, then I'm shut down. So what I'm trying to do is, is and, and I haven't, I, I'm really not very good at self-promotion. I am good from, you know, I work with lots of brands as a kind of, you know, as a food influencer, for lack of a better word. And wow, I can pimp anybody's anything if I really like it. But my own stuff is... There's something that feels wrong about telling people, hey, buy my wares right now, although it is something that could really help people tremendously right now right. because, you know, it right. makes it easy. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm treading that. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I was going to say, I'm, I'm probably not your target demo, but I do use other prepackaged marinades. <laughs> and especially, yeah, like, oh, well, yeah and, and it is useful, especially if you're, you know, if you're somebody who, you know, who has either sure. limited time or, or just limited knowledge, like, you know, having a, it makes a world of difference in terms of, you know, what you're able to, how far you can stretch your dollar cooking at home. Exactly. And, and actually, you'd be surprised how much you are my target demographic, <laughs> because even with the name Skinny Latina, I get more men purchasing it and very few, you know, like equally Anglo to Latin and probably more men than women buy it. It's really kind of funny, but, um, but yeah, so I, you know, I want to make it available, you know, con- sure. you know, offer free shipping, make it available online. You know, I haven't really done that yet because I just thought, Oh, what's What if it's in bad taste? You know, I recently did the show, the profit. I don't know if you know the show. Yeah. Marcus with Marcus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so Marcus is now my partner and he's like, why aren't you pimping the sauce? <laughs> You I'm going like, to, and I'm oh. going to go ahead because Mike, this is normally where Mike would uh, make sure not to let it go unmentioned. And so I'm going to do him, despite my being a Belen guy, I'll make a mention that Marcus is a Columbus guy on Mike's behalf. A uh, Columbus <laughs> guy. Yes. Oh my God. He's so proud. And, and it's, so you're, who's, who went to Belen, Mike? No, I did. And Mike went to Columbus. Oh, you did. Let's, um, yeah. uh, I, I wanted to sort of transition a little bit because, um, uh, I know that you also, in a past life, uh, were a, or you're not still practicing real estate law, are you? I'm not practicing anymore, no. But I did. I practiced for 20 years. So I wonder what your perspective is on, uh, you know, so much of the the message that, you know, and I don't want to say that everybody has been advocating for the same thing, but one of the more common uh, calls from the food industry has related to, uh, and not just food, but even broader than that, but has related to rent and mortgage abatement. Uh, so I, I wonder, yeah. like, that and maybe you have other things, you know, that have sort of, like, uh, you know, uh, stood out to you about just the things that people are advocating for from various angles. How do you see that side of things? 
Well, it's funny because I, I, uh, my years as a lawyer was doing transactional real estate. And so I was in the thick of it when the bubble exploded basically right in my face because I was doing real estate closings. And it's one of the reasons that while I was already doing this, I thought, you know what, maybe I'm just going to go all in with this because it's going to take a long time for this to recover. And I was bored anyway. But, um, and so, you know, I don't know as far as, you know, right now, of course, there there are people that legitimately cannot pay their rent, cannot pay their mortgage. Then there's other people that are going to take advantage. And that's the, that's the problem that I see that, uh, you know, there are the people that absolutely cannot pay it, they can't pay it. And I mean, um, I think that, for example, companies like Verizon, I heard, are giving people time to pay for their, they're not going to disconnect wireless or cable or things like that. I think that that's the right thing to do. I think it's time for companies to step up. This is not a normal situation. And this is a situation that's not only affecting us in the U.S., it's it's a world it's it's really a world pandemic. And right. so the rules that applied before, you know, we're we're not thinking right now about bottom line profit margin. We're thinking about survival and we're and we're trying to be more human. And so anything that that we can do to perpetuate that and anything that anybody can do to help, I you know, I agree with. I just um just worried about how that's gonna happen, you know, like the one point something trillion dollar you know, mm-hmm. thing that they're trying to do. And then, you know, but, but as far as companies providing certain services and not uh, charging people, I think that, that, that would be the responsible thing to do. Um, and again, I think that, that everybody's going to take a hit one way or the other, everyone, nope, we're all going to come out of this differently than we went in. Right. And, and, you know, we all thought it was just like a, like a thing, like a joke. That's something that happens to other people. But I have people that I know well that are infected with the disease. Uh, and every day it's, it's a different, you know, we learn more, you know, before it was only older people and people that are at risk of certain illnesses. But now millennials and teenagers have died and right. kids. And they said that it couldn't. So it's that uncertainty that, that makes this, just such a difficult thing for all of us. And I think it's why we need to really, you know, I think that, that this whole thing of, you know, social media is such a powerful tool. Imagine if this happened to us in the, I don't know, eighties or before social media existed, before we had the ability to kind of FaceTime and things like that. Um, You know, the, the kind of thing that would happen, you know, as far as depression and which a lot of people are experiencing it as well. You know, the surge in, in the sale of, of alcohol, alcohol and wine been through the roof. They're, they're doing really well. But if people are home alone drinking down the road, that's going to have major consequences. Right, right. So it's like you feel kind of helpless. Like, what can you do? You know, I, you know, I, I wrote the, the cookbook for Versailles and, you know, I have promoted as much, you know, like restaurants. And, and of course, you know, I'm busy doing other things and, and, and I will definitely do more. But places that I know how they run how clean they are, how, you know, that, I think that that's important. Um, because also if you promoting a, a place and maybe they're not following the protocols that, you know, that, that's irresponsible. So I think people are being very honest as to, as to, you know, what, what, where to go and, you know, giving no, like nobody really has much to gain 
and everybody just seems very connected on social media. So I think this is great what you guys are doing because, you know, we all want to like talk about it. We all want to kind of at least express that, Hey, you know, I don't, I don't have this under control. I don't know what's going on and I'm as scared as you are, but I believe that we need to come together, help each other and just realize that this is happening to all of us. Yep. Yep. So, uh, with that, we'll, uh, We'll we'll wrap up the call. Though I want to give you a, a chance, especially because unlike some of our other guests, uh, you know your contribution does sort of happen uh, at, at least in some part in that digital space. Where should people go to to follow you? Is there something in particular that you're doing with any regularity that people should kind of keep an eye out for? Uh, you know, just feel free um, to, to shamelessly plug yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely. Um, you know, uh, uh, at Anna Cooks, it's A N A Q O O K S. That's my Instagram. I am doing more live stuff, more stories, um, and you know, just you know, my website AnnaQ.com. If you want to find out more about Skinny Latina, it's SkinnyLatina.com. I have tons of recipes online. I'm doing free shipping right now and getting it to everybody right away, which, you know, and kind of giving people ideas of what to do. And I also, you know, people hit me up if they have these random ingredients in their house and they don't know what to do with it. You know, people have called me and I've created recipes for them around these things that they have. And and I'd love to do that. And so definitely anybody that, that needs help in that department and, um, yeah. In, in the meantime, I, you know, I'd like to hear from 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 anyone that wants uh, some advice on on what to do or or just to know how everybody's feeling. I, uh, you know, I think uh, Instagram is probably where I connect with people the most. But I do Twitter and, and Facebook and yeah. and all that. So it's uh, yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and throw out an idea here, and I'm gonna <laughs> maybe it's not as good an idea as I think it is. But if you want to steal it and run with this idea. I would be okay. I would be thrilled. I think it'd be cool to see, you know, people who are in your position sort of bridge the gap there because I think at this time people want to maybe be uh you know, have as little waste as possible both in terms of actual physical waste but also their money. Uh mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that is that people don't necessarily always know what to do with their leftovers. You know, they don't necessarily know like oh, si me sobró, you know, 6 ounces of picadillo, what the hell am I going to do with that? Absolutely. You know? uh, Absolutely. so I I would love to see you know, especially things geared toward, uh, you know, in, in a particular market. In our case, you know, we're both in, in Miami, but people listen to this uh, in other places too. But it would be great to see, you know, th- those communities kind of come together so that, okay, if you if part of it is that you're worried about being, you know, whatever might be left over from ordering from, let's say, an Ariette, here's what you might do with that leftover. If you have, you know, five Maludos left over from your order from Versailles, you know, here's exactly. here's what you might do there. So that's, that's a really, really good idea. In fact, uh, I did a live a couple of days ago with a rotisserie chicken, you know, and, okay. t- and told them you can make three different things with this, you know. Right. And right. we made, you know, whatever. We made a chop chop. We made a curry chicken salad. We made tacos, you know. So I, I think that that's a really good idea. I mean, I love that idea. So, so absolutely, like, let me know what, you know, whatever you've ordered in and you have some leftover, let's make something with it, you know. Awesome. Let me know what you have and I'll create something for you. I think that's a great idea. I love it. Cool. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, so yeah, with that, uh, we'll we'll wrap up, and hopefully, when this thing is behind us, we can all uh, get together and and I would love that. eat the same finger foods and clink glasses without being terrified of it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And thank you for what you're doing. I really think it's great to keep people informed and entertained, and you know, a little sane. So 
No, no, thank you. I will yeah, be listening. All right, we'll Bye. talk soon. Bye. Stay safe. Bye. Next, you'll hear from Matt Kusher. Matt is among the many restaurateurs who has made the tough decision to lay off staff in an effort to make sure his businesses survive the broad shutdown of restaurants. If you haven't already, it might be worth going back and listening to his first appearance on the show. That was November 29, 2019. Uh, It might help to put in perspective just how hard the industry has been hit, at least with one case in point. Here's the call with Matt. All right, so uh, to to start, uh, why don't we just you know we've done this with everybody. How have you personally been been dealing with it? Just you know, for the sake of uh, of not glossing over that, because that is the most important thing. You, your family, everybody's good. So uh, you know, the, the the reality is, I'm fine. You know, I, I I don't have an issue with me. What I, my issue is is you know my employees, my cooks that don't have a month or two months worth of money to get food if this thing drags on. Right. You know, that's my, that's my, that's the biggest weight I'm carrying right now. Not me personally. If I lose a restaurant or two restaurants out of this, you know, I, I, I have confidence that at the end it'll, it'll be where I want it to be, but it's more on a personal level. What's going on now that, uh, that's really weighing me down. Right. So why don't you let, let's kind of run through what the timeline has looked for you from the time that things were more normal to now, uh, at what points did you make what adjustments or changes, um, during that, let's say week and a half or so. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, it's funny cause I, I talked to, uh, to Mike and Richard Hales a bunch and, or we just text each other and, uh, you know, we texted each other on, I believe, Sunday or maybe Saturday, but I think it was Sunday morning. And I said, you know, my scare level was a four out of ten because I said, you know what, this is going to blow over and then everyone's going to be all the soccer moms are going to be sick of their kids in their house. And they're just going to say, screw it. They're going to go out and eat and all that. By the end of the day on Sunday, I, I was at a thousand of scaring. Uh, and uh, my my outlook of it was completely different. Uh, so. Uh, it, it, it's, it's been, ch- it's changed literally by the day, every day. So right. like I told you earlier, if you asked me, uh, you know, three days ago, what I was doing, it would, it'd be very different than what I'm doing today. And I'm sure very different than what I'm doing three days from now. So what is it that you have done so far in terms of just like, at what point did you, uh, say scale back service or have you introduced new product or, you know, what, what sorts of adjustments have you made to this point, uh, to deal with this new reality? Uh, I mean, everything you can possibly imagine. First off, you know, uh, uh, I had to lay off 250 employees. That's that's the hardest thing I could yep. I, I could even think of doing. And um, uh, that, to me, is the only thing that really matters. Everything else, now I'm just keeping the restaurants open, trying to pay for the manager's salaries as long as I can, uh, as long as it makes sense. If I can get somewhere close to it, then I'll cover the rest. But uh, the more this is going, the more I realize this is going to not be a two-week, three-week, you know, four-week. This is going to be a while. And uh, I, I think it's becoming more unrealistic as we go by day by day. The reality is at this point, I almost wish they just shut all the restaurants and shut everybody down and just let's just get this thing over with so we can move forward again. Because um, now at this point, I feel like we're just dragging our feet to the inevitable. When you, so tell me a little bit more about what, what you mean by, not what you mean by shutting the restaurants, and I understand what that means, but the idea being what, just to sort of like... Uh, sure, go, I, I mean, listen, I have four restaurants. I closed Stevens 
I closed spillover. I had to bring all my food from those places to the other, to the, you know, to locale in Cush. And basically my managers are now working all the functions front of the house, back of the house at locale in Cush. You know, I turned locale into a, a market. So basically anything I have in that restaurant is for sale. I'm selling honey. I'm selling sriracha, kosher salts, burger yeah. buns, chicken tenders, uh, you know, ground beef, uh, anything that you may need that you can't get at the market, almond milk, growlers, a beer, um, you know, we're trying to sell it. And we've been selling a lot of it, which is nice because it makes me think that people actually didn't need it. Um, but as far as the changes that we've done in reality, it's just survival. We're just surviving at this moment. We're just trying to sell as much so that I can get enough sales to, to like I said, pay for the manager's salaries for as long as I can. Right. Now you have, you have restaurants in multiple different neighborhoods. How different, if at all, has the picture looked in, in those different neighborhoods? Well, you know, in Stevens is, is, you know, in La Cocina is an old Jewish deli and a cocktail bar. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think the neighborhood that it's in is really the exact clientele that's going to be going there uh, as comfort food. So for me, it didn't make sense to stay open there. Um, and uh, the reality is I had to pick two restaurants because I only had enough staff to, to staff two restaurants. So Locale was very much in the neighborhood and Cush uh, was in the other neighborhood. Uh, there's no question that Locale, because it's in Coconut Grove, has been uh, a lot steadier because there's a big community that wants to support us. And every day, you know, we're getting people in there that are just saying, hey, we're just coming here to support. We're coming here to support. And it feels great. And it's nice to know. Uh, Kush, on the other hand, is, is not so much in a residential area, uh, so that one hasn't been as, as, as great during this time period. Yeah. Uh, what is it that you're keeping an eye on in terms of, uh, I don't know, indicators that you should do this or move in that direction? And, and I mean, what is it that you need to happen? Or what do you think that the restaurant industry in South Florida, or I mean, really everywhere, I keep saying in South Florida, but it's not a South Florida issue. Uh, yeah. What is it that you find yourself wishing would happen or be done or whatever? Yeah, kind of like what I touched about earlier. At this point, I feel like we should just pull the Band-Aid off, hibernate for two weeks and call it a day or three weeks or whatever it is, and then see if it gets back to normal because um, – you know, it, people, unless they're forced to, everybody's going to go out. So at this point, the longer we're in limbo, the longer my employees are not working. Um, so I don't care if I'm surviving an extra month, an extra week, an extra two weeks at this point. Now I'm just concerned. That's just prolonging the inevitable. And, and uh, so the indicators that I'm looking for is, uh, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, at this point, I'm hoping for a total lockdown and getting this, getting this, hopefully getting this over with. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's kind of where I've turned. And I was not saying that three days ago. Right. Right. What is it that changed three days ago? Every day. I just, I, I felt, uh, more cautious. Yeah. Every day seems more serious, uh, and eerie. And the longer this goes, uh, you know, I, I'm unfortunately and unfortunately in a position where I'm seeing I'm on the base where everybody's coming to. So everybody's coming to me to tell their stories because, uh, you know, when they leave their house one time a day, they came to locale to pick up food or whatever it is. So I get 10 second interactions or, or longer interactions with people. And just as the days go on, it's just getting scarier and weirder. And uh, it's going to get to the point where I don't even want to be open, even even if it means I'm serving the community, because 
um, it's just getting too strange out there, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the flip side of that, and, you know, this is me sort of inserting myself here, is, is just a total lockdown. You know, there's no guarantee of what that would do, right? Because who's to say how long that lockdown should be? So it's, it's – but I, but I agree with you. Something's got to give. It's either got to be, you know, an extreme one way or, an, or, or, or a loosening of the thing in the other direction. But where we're at now just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, if, it just seems like nothing's happening and nothing's really changing. It's getting worse, but every day all our employees are not making any money, you know, so yeah. we have to do something drastic. I think now at this point, whether it's a month, I don't know, whatever it is. Um, but I don't think what we're doing right now is going to, is going to change anything. So uh, that, that's my thing. And, and my concern again is it's just my employees. That, that's really the only thing that this comes down to everybody. You know, the restaurant industry is actually getting a lot of, love i mean i have a lot of my friends who are not in the restaurant industry reaching out to me and and praying for me but this is affecting everybody i mean i mean most people unless you're in the media or police or you know something that's that happens to be in this in this kind of uh world that we're living in now everybody's affected you know everybody's losing their jobs everybody's income is you know people are, are people selling houses right now i don't know i don't think so yeah um yeah, no, and I'll, and I'll tell you, I mean, even the even the media thing, I mean, so, I mean, you know that I, I've been uh, uh, an editor of a cigar magazine for the last six years. A couple months ago, I had put in notice that I was leaving in May. Uh, so, you know, I already had plans to leave, but this last month and a half of, uh, of my gig was shut off as a result because we don't have cigar shops to sell to send the cigar magazine to, so how are we going to charge our advertisers? There's just not any money there. Uh, sure, everybody's affected every yeah. single person is affected in some you know like i was gonna go buy some cigars i was like i forgot i was like oh wait the cigar scores are broken i mean that's closed i went i was like shit i might be stuck in my house let me get my bike fixed i was like oh wait the bike store is fixed you know closed i mean everybody's affected yeah yeah for sure so uh, just sort of like um let me ask this way so whenever it is that you that we all are back on our feet which will happen at some point whatever shit we have to go through to get there there is something on the other side what are the what are the I don't know for lack of a better word the lessons that you've taken from this that you see yourself sort of carrying with you in a post Corona world? Honestly, uh, I, I I don't I'm not I haven't learned any lessons yet. I think when you know in a year from now you ask me that question I can maybe answer it okay. for you. I'll tell you I'll tell you what my concerns are is sure. it's not that we're going to get back to normal. Uh, I think we are going to get back to normal, like you said, but it. When we do, are people going to be eating out or are they going to be a lot more frugal with their money? You know, are they going to spend $15 on a hamburger or is everybody going to go to McDonald's and Taco Bell? You know, we joked about this last time. You guys like Taco Bell and then, you know, uh, the movie Demolition Man, you know, every store is a Taco Bell. And that's kind of where I think this is going to go, because I think a lot of restaurants, as you know, are going to close for sure. And the ones that reopen, a lot of them won't last three months because, you know, people like my wait staff and my cooks that go out to eat probably won't be going out to eat those first six months. And uh, that's something that no one's really talking about right now. And that's my biggest concern. You know, are people really going to come to Lobster Tuesday on spillover, you know, when we reopen? I don't know if lobster is really something that people are going to be, you know, <laughs> to eat after this is all said and done, you know? That's my concern. That's what I'm scared of for this restaurant industry. And, and what I'm really scared of after my employees, at least in the restaurant world, is we're going we're gonna to see some losses here. We're, we're gonna, some of our friends are going to get hit, and I don't like that. Yeah. 
Have you, uh, I mean, I imagine that you're in touch with at least with, with, with some of the employers you're aware of, of what's up with them. Have, um, have you seen any of them manage to, uh, I don't know, find some way of at least minimizing the damage for themselves? Like any, anything that you've seen that you think like, hey, you know, everybody who's in that situation of having been laid off should be aware of that or should consider this? Um. No, I mean, surprisingly, my staff has been in pretty high spirits, uh, and they've actually come in and, like, ordered food from us and whatnot. Um, I know Ken Russell's been really active about trying to get these restaurant workers another source of income, and he's working on a proposal to get them on the mopeds to do deliveries and extra deliveries. And, uh, you know, he's actually reached out to me a lot trying to get some initiatives for these guys who are out of work. Um, the only thing I've told my staff is file for unemployment, don't pay your rent and your utilities, and this thing may last a long time, so just make sure you have enough money for food, and that's it. And don't buy anything. Um, you know, uh, you know. Going back to a little bit, you know, we were joking around a little bit this week, and we and we were trying to make light of the situation. And my managers and I were making like funny videos, and we were kind of doing our version of The Office, the TV show The Office, in like a restaurant setting. And just to show you how much this is changing, you know, we were doing that every day up until yesterday, and it was nice. It was like a little escape from what this we're going through yeah and then today today as i'm as i'm ready to post it i felt nauseous because i'm like it, it looks like we're having fun when this is not fun at all and even though it didn't really happen like that i was like we laid off 250 people i, I don't want any interpretation of us having a good time right now um which again was very different yesterday because yesterday i was doing stupid skits and, and we were having fun with it and it's just it's just getting realer every day, to be honest with you, Nick. Yeah, no, no, I hear you, and 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 it's tough, right? Because on the one hand, you wanna you wanna be able to make the best of of every moment, but you also don't wanna at least be perceived as as you know being I don't know callous or blind to all the shit that a lot of people are dealing with. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at what I, we're doing, and I'm like, okay, it's funny today, but is it going to be funny in two weeks if? If, if uh, you know, it just starts getting really bad. Right, right. Uh, what, I mean, and like you said, everything changes day to day. So uh, do, do you have things, is there like a roadmap for you in terms of like, this is our next move, this is something we're looking at. For, I'll give you an example, like with, uh, with Chugs. Chugs, I think, is looking at in the next couple of days sort of starting to do the bodega market type of thing that you guys have been doing for a little while. So, you know, are, are there other moves that you're looking to make to just to try to cope to the extent that it's possible or um, or are you just. No, I think my next, my next move is, is closing. Yeah. Uh, and just and just getting it over with and, and hoping hoping that maybe starts a faster trend. I don't know, but I, I uh, I'm, I'm leaning towards closing more than anything at this point. I just feel like um, I don't know. I just feel like that's starting to sound like the right move more. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. Like I said, I'm changing day by day, and, and as we get new information, and, you know, some days I feel optimistic and some days I feel less optimistic. So that's just kind of what it is. You know, and uh, so the roadmap is are we staying open or closing? You know, and there's a lot of good ideas out there. You know, you do prepackaged meals, and um, there's a lot of things we can do. But um, I'm not in the mood right now to get creative. I'm in the mood to uh, survive. and. Right. uh I think it's a little different. Right, right. All right, man. Well, is is there anything we didn't touch on that you that you do want to get into or or anything? 
I mean, besides that, this sounds like the most depressing interview of my entire <laughs> life. Um, but uh, no, there's nothing. You know, I just uh, I feel for my for my people, and um, you know, anybody who say who shout, shouts out to me, I hope you're doing okay. It's 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 not me. It's 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 my guys. It's my staff. It's it's my people that uh, that's keeping me up at night right now. Yeah. Not, not for the sake of being a contrarian here. Like, I get that, and I think that that's, you know, that's the kind of attitude that somebody like you's got to keep. But at the same time, you know, in the interest of of everybody that, you know, that would benefit from you being back on your feet, like, a, you know, on some level, it, it matters how you're doing too, right? Because if, if you're not – to the you got to get your head as right as it can be. And I think all those people that, you know, that uh, – that depend or, or yeah. might in the future depend on you, you know, they, 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 they have an interest in, in you being as, as good as possible. So, uh, Listen, I, I don't know how to do anything else except for what I do. So it, it's not that I love what I do. I need to do what I do. So for me, my, my goal is always going to be to open up restaurants and run successful restaurants. And that's never going to change even if this lasts a year. Um, but will change is, you know, which restaurants and how it is, you know, like right. if one of them can't weather the storm, you know, I've thought about moving a uh, locale over to spillover and combining those restaurants into one restaurant. And, um, you know, that's something that uh, because of this, I've, I've thought out and uh, is a possibility if this lasts more than two months that I will do that. Uh, so there's a lot of changes on my end that I'm gonna have to recreate once I figure out what the landscape is actually happening and, and, and how long this is going to last. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, again, thanks. I, I know, you know, as depressing as it might sound, I think people do benefit from from hearing, you know, the the perspective and what you're going through and all that. And uh, and hopefully people take something from it. So, yeah, me, too. I hope so. I wish Captain Cush could actually uh, save the day this time. I don't think he's capable of this one. Oh, man. <laughs> if only. Well, I mean, who knows? Put up the signal, I guess. All right, Nick, my recommendation is for you to watch The Jerk again because obviously okay. you haven't seen The Jerk in a long I know. time and it's a fantastic It's movie. true. I'm a little disappointed that of, of your reaction on that. Besides I, I that, was disappointed uh, in myself. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways. Yeah, Narcos, uh, Narcos uh, Mexico I thought was really good season two. Okay, good. Good stuff. I actually just uh, – I've been binging uh, while I'm working. I got a separate screen playing Curb Your Enthusiasm. I hadn't – I'd actually never seen it somehow. Uh, <laughs> that's insane I know I know I know and I'm, I'm watching it now and I'm just mad at myself for having put it off this long I'm still I'm, I'm toward the end of season 2 right now so I got a long way to go you obviously watch Seinfeld though yes yeah yeah of course okay then, then I have to end the conversation alright <laughs> Nick thanks so much man I appreciate it alright man same take care <laughs> Finally, a call with someone who is on the other side of these layoffs. Uh, we first became aware of Quarantine 305 on Instagram. Even if you're not in Miami, uh, stop what you're doing and follow them now. That's Quarantine Cuisine 305. Uh, I reached out to them on Instagram and ended up on a call with the project's creator, Joe Richard. He was let go from his job at Burden Bone, uh, Richard Hale's restaurant at the Confidant Hotel in Miami Beach. I'll let Joe explain the details, but he's come up with a novel solution for himself and uh, other laid-off kitchen staff 
that might be worth replicating or at least learning from in other markets and even in other industries. Joe, tell people about what you're doing with Quarantine Cuisine 305. That's the name of it, right? Quarantine Cuisine 305? Or am I just saying the yeah, handle? Okay. That's No, that's right. That's what we're calling the project. And we're trying to, um, we're trying to start a self-help network of laid-off restaurant employees in Miami-Dade County um, to distribute as much um, in terms of donations from people anywhere and everywhere who want to help um, out-of-work cooks and bartenders and bussers and dishwashers and bakers, um, you know, distributing as, as many donations as possible directly to impacted employees. And um, in return, if people make donations from within Dade County, we will actually deliver um, a freshly prepared gourmet meal kit right to their door um, around dinner time. And we have a constantly rotating menu. Um, every day we're coming up with new dish ideas that we can put together subject to whatever shortages there are in the supermarkets. Um, like right now, it's really hard to find eggs, for instance, um, <laughs> or any number of other things, not just toilet paper. Right. Um, and um, we're just hoping for as many donations as possible because we're trying to help as many of our former coworkers and friends in the industry that have, have all been affected. I mean, the, I, I think I know one or two people in the industry here in Dade County who are still working. And that's mostly through um, takeout operations like at a pizza shop or, you know, as a delivery driver for DoorDash or something, but there's just so many people that are out of work right now. And it was so immediate that it's just devastating. Right. Well, and especially in, in the case of someone like you, uh, you, you mentioned before we started recording the call that uh, you moved to Miami nine months ago from where? From New York City. Yeah. From New York City. So if you've, I mean, if you've been in Miami for nine months and you were working in Miami Beach, that's where your, you know, your social and your professional network probably is. And yeah, I mean, that was the, the place that was hit, at least in the food and beverage industry, uh, hardest and fastest and shut down the soonest. Uh, you know, everybody yeah, else had, had a little more time uh, to sort of prep. Absolutely. Um, and it, I just I keep struggling to wrap my head around it because you think about previous economic recessions, like say a big company went bankrupt. Um, you know that was hard, but there's always other jobs you could go. You have a skill set, and you could go try to find work in another place. But because the shutdown is is universal, nearly um, there's just nowhere else to find work. I mean, there's really not. <laughs> right. Well, I, I think that that's something that you know. Um... There's just so much to cover here because I think this is really one of the more unique uh, stories that <laughs> that I've that I've heard. Uh, not to say that it's any more or less important, but you know, to some extent, all restaurants have at least some amount in common. But you've really created something very new uh, and very like novel with this. Um, and let me before we go on because I'm saying you've created it. I'm I'm also not sure whether you have like people you'd consider partners. Uh, in the strict sense of like co-creators or co-founders, or is this something that you sort of took initiative and, and of course you've had help with it, but uh, are there other people that you would say like call co-founders, let's say? I mean, I, I think I took the initiative in coming up with the idea and setting up the um, infrastructure for it in terms of the online fundraiser page and the Instagram account um, and things like that. But the first, the first thing I did when I came up with the idea was call through my phone contacts for a ton of people that I know in the industry to check in with them to see if they were interested. And, um, you know, a lot of people are in shock. A lot of people are just scrambling to try and figure things out. But, you know, people told me, you know, yeah, if the, 
if this takes off and it becomes a and it becomes a way of generating some kind of replacement income, you know, count me in. And so I've got a long roster, <laughs> a very long and growing roster every day, actually, of cooks and bakers and bartenders, whatever, people I know that are desperate for work right now. And so the idea was to get the thing started. And if more and more donations start coming in, we could just scale up kind of indefinitely because there's so many people that um, could do this work and so many talented hardworking culinary professionals out there that, um, you know, the, the possibility to expand something um, could happen pretty rapidly and pretty dramatically. And that's what I'm really hoping for. Sure. Uh, tell me a bit about, you know, cause I think that this is also something that, you know, especially if somebody's listening from outside of South Florida, uh, it sounds to me like a good idea that is worth, uh, you know, trying to replicate elsewhere. So, uh, for the benefit of anybody who might be thinking, oh shit, that sounds like it might be a solution for people in my area as well. Talk a bit about the just the sort of nuts and bolts of it. Like, how does this function? Because it's primarily people who've been laid off or furloughed from restaurant jobs. So you presume that they don't have, uh, you know, home kitchens in the sorry home. They have homes with kitchens, but they're they're not at commercial kitchens anymore. Um, then there's the delivering the 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 funds to them there's delivering the food to the end consumer so just kind of talk a bit about how this thing functions because it's probably yeah. the story that people are the least familiar with it's a little harder to wrap your head around than just curbside pickup yeah yeah so the back end of it um is actually surprisingly easy to be honest because we just live um in an era where online payment pr- uh systems are super common and they're they're cheap or they're even free like setting up a setting up an online fundraising platform is easier than it's ever been and, and also free. Um, and, you know, lots of people have cars here in Miami-Dade because you uh, basically have to have one to get to work and get anywhere you need to go. And, um, you know, people have Instagram and Facebook and all these social media platforms that were always traditionally used for people to share you know, pictures of dishes and beautiful pastries that they make and all these things that actually lend themselves well to um, a kind of online online um, culture where people see a dish and they say, oh, well, I'd like that. So then they make a donation at an online fundraising page and then that gets processed immediately. We are coming up with menu ideas every day and the cutoff point is at two o'clock in the afternoon. So if someone makes a donation of $60 or more before two o'clock, we can basically cook that to order and scale up the amount of food that we're making um, in our home kitchen and get it out and delivered by about six o'clock, 6.30. So the the biggest hurdle for us right now is actually just publicity and trying to get the word out so that people make those donations. Um, And a lot of us are pretty good at figuring out how to cost um, cost dishes very effectively. And so the, the philosophy behind our rotating menu right now is that um, the food has got to be fresh, it's got to be high quality, but it's also got to be um, comforting and filling. And for the $60 donation, we want to make sure that people feel like they're getting their money's worth. And so we're delivering a meal kit that will feed a family of four. And to be honest, like, we're putting a little bit more in there too. <laughs> right. Just, you know, we don't want anyone to go hungry. We want to make sure that uh, everyone's going to be full and we want someone, we want people to have leftovers the next day too. So, um, so people are really getting a good deal out of it, I think. Um, 
and we'll deliver it right to your house wearing the mask, wearing the gloves. We'll even leave it outside your door if you don't want to open the door. So um, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. We'll see where it goes. I'm, I'm sorry, that was my laundry buzzer. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm really I'm really hoping it takes off because um, I just know so many people who are in really bad shape right now that I want to spread spread those donations around as widely as possible and just keep people afloat. Sure. Talk a bit about uh, how how much ground can you guys cover now? I know you're in Miami Beach, uh, and you you talked about, uh, but this is something that affects everybody everywhere. So, uh, how how much ground are you covering now with uh, not only with deliveries, but also with the uh, the chefs and the cooks and the other staff who are uh, who are sort of a part of it? And what's the ultimate vision like for for you? Uh, you know, do you is is the goal to cover a certain amount of ground i don't know if that would be countywide or city of miami or or whatever i mean really countywide um there's uh if there is any kind of silver lining to the quarantine order and all the social distancing it's that for the first time since i've moved here traffic is just really not that bad in miami right now (laughs) sure so um and gas is cheap so if people make a, a a generous donation we'll deliver it to them if they're in dade county and and you know, we'd probably even sneak across the, the, the border into Broward, too, if someone was generous. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the cooks I know live, live everywhere from Cutler Bay to um, Little Havana and North Miami. Like, if, if people want to make a donation and they, and they want a meal kit, we'll get it to them. What kind of just sort of uh, talking more about the, the, the food conceptual side of it. There's also, you know, uh, I guess questions come to my mind about, okay, so you've got this rotating menu and all these people who are involved, but t- tell me about the process of actually making decisions about that menu because you also have all these people who are coming from all these different places, both personally and professionally, right? Like different kitchens with different visions and different things that they're especially good at. Um, what is the process of sort of curating that menu, for lack of a better word? Yeah, well, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of freedom in that right now which is actually sort of um it's sort of liberating and it's fun to be creative about these kinds of things so um the biggest thing for me though is is really the cost and so um you know we're going to you know wholesale food food um um distributors in the morning time and seeing what's available basically um and we'll plan for that the next day so that we can advertise what's going to be on the menu so Last night we had bought ingredients and um, literally about to start laying out a bunch of flour in my kitchen and rolling handmade um, ravioli uh, stuffed with, you know, fresh cheese and uh, roasted zucchini. And I'm going to make um, I'm going to make a lot of handmade ravioli this afternoon and deliver it by 6:30 because um, I knew that that's what ingredients we had and we could we could um, scale that up and that's something I was professionally trained to do. So, so that's cool. And tomorrow it could be something completely different. And what to me is exciting about this is that so many of, so many of the cooks that I know across the industry have worked in so many different kinds of restaurants, we could actually do all kinds of stuff. So, you know, one of my best friends worked in a sushi restaurant for a long time and knows how to roll sushi. So if we could get the ingredients for that, maybe we do a sushi day Um, or people that have more of a continental background, like, Let's make some fancy French food and deliver that. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's just kind of to me that's kind of exciting. And you know, I know a lot of diners um, really prioritize one kind of food or another based on what they're hungry for. And so 
you know, that might be one of the hurdles is that people get something delivered. They're not necessarily stealing at that moment, but, um, you know, the, the constantly rotating menu, I think could appeal to a certain, a certain kind of person who is maybe more, um, open-minded about what they'd like to eat or can kind of go with the flow and we are going to make it delicious one way or another. So, sure. So, uh, what, what is it that you would say at this point you, um, you need help with or are looking for in some kind of like uh, in new relationships with people in maybe not even just in food and beverage, right? Because there's other aspects of it, whether it's marketing or, or whatever it might be. Uh, just again, if somebody's listening to this and thinking like, Oh, I wonder what they're in need of and whether I can contribute in some way or another, yeah. uh, wh- sure. wh- where, where's your head at now just in terms of tomorrow and next week? So tomorrow, um, the biggest thing we need is donations. We just need people to donate from here in Miami or around the country, around the world. Um, the fundraiser page is called Quarantine Cuisine 305. Our Instagram page is Quarantine Cuisine 305. People can look us up and and um, and donate to that, and that's going to help keep keep um, as many of us afloat as possible. I mean, if we if we got hit by a a wave of donations, all of a sudden there were thousands of dollars coming in every day and hundreds of orders to fill. I would really start calling through um, the list of restaurant owners and people that work for major hospitality groups in Miami and asking if they would be willing to donate commissary space for us to use um, so that we could produce um, much more uh, on a larger scale. Um, We're not quite at that juncture yet, but if that were to happen, that would be a huge help. If someone is a restaurant owner and has any um, unused inventory or back stock in their walk-ins or dry goods or anything, they'd be willing to unload or donate. That would be a huge help as well, and they should message our Instagram page about that. Um, we'll come by and pick it up, no problem. We can Anything that we could use like that. And then if people are also unemployed cooks and they're interested in joining the project, um, they should message us on Instagram too and, and add their name to the roster. So. But right right now, just I think the scale of the scale of the the unemployment here is just so massive. The the biggest thing is just getting donations so that we can start distributing that as fast as possible because people's rent is going to be due yeah. in what the next the next week or so. Like uh, you know, things are things are really hard. Things are really hard, and the faster we get this going, the better. Right. Uh, and so, last thing before I just ask whether there's anything we haven't covered that you want to talk about, but I wonder whether there's uh there's any part of you that sees what you're doing now as, as an option or something that looks attractive for a, a post coronavirus world. Uh, Cause it does seem like a cool idea, right? Like a month ago, if somebody had told me, Hey, you know, there's a network of, uh, of professional uh, cooks and chefs who are doing this program where they'll deliver, you know, for, for people's dinner. I don't know. The, the whole thing sounds attractive regardless of coronavirus. Uh, do you, do you see this as something that you would entertain the idea of actually trying to make it a more permanent thing for, for yourself and the people who are involved? You know, I, I haven't thought about that too much. I've just been mostly devoted to just trying to get the thing up and off the ground and, and get it running. Um, who knows what the future holds? Sure. I mean, th- to be honest, that um, that feels pretty far away right now because I, I think a lot of people um, are viewing the situation as like a as a two or three week quarantine and then things will kind of go back to normal afterwards. I I have a hard time thinking that that's the case. I mean, I yeah. I, 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 I hate to be a, a downer or a cynic or something, but I, I am anticipating that this will last for months or more. 
Um, and I, I really hope that's not the case because that's going to inflict a lot of pain on a lot of people that don't deserve it. Um, but I just, you know, looking at the, uh, looking at the writing on the wall, I think this is going to last a while and people should get ready for that. So that's kind of been the focus of, uh, of my attention. Just how, to, how do we get this going? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, for whatever it's worth, I'm sure that being in your spot, it's, it's tough to, you know, have any bandwidth in your head left to look that far into the future. But from my perspective, I don't know, I'm looking at pictures of your ravioli and I'm like, shit, a year from now, I'm still going to want that ravioli. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, it, I think, I think what it's a testament to is just how many incredibly talented and hardworking um, chefs there are in this city. Um, and the, the incredible diversity of experience that people have and the, the amazing things they're able to do with food. I mean, it's just, um, it's pretty astonishing. And that's, that's why it hurts so bad to see people that can't practice their craft um, and can't pay their bills right now. So Absolutely. Um, any listeners out there, I really encourage people to make donations. And, uh, and if you want to try the ravioli, uh, let's get this going. <laughs> yeah. So one last time, we usually don't do it this many times, but one last time, do all your shameless plugging, all the URLs and social media for anybody who didn't hear it the first two times. Yeah, I, I'm I'm losing all the shame uh, today, so that's fine. <laughs> so the, the project is called Quarantine Cuisine 305, and you can find us on our fundraiser page under the same name, Quarantine Cuisine 305. We have an Instagram account as well. Uh, it's public, so please check that out. Even if you can't donate, um, give us a share, give us a like, help spread the word. Um, we are going to be directly fueling donations into the pockets of unemployed culinary professionals in Dade County. And we are happy to get donations from anywhere and everywhere and every dollar helps. Um, but if you are a Dade County resident and you donate $60 or more, uh, we will deliver uh, a homemade meal kit directly to your door by dinner time. And uh, we just can't tell you how much we appreciate any support you can give. Awesome. Thanks again for the call, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for your time. All right. Uh, big fan of the podcast, by the way. Thanks, man. That means a lot. You're one of the, as Mike likes to say, one of our 22 listeners. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That'll do it for this episode of the podcast. Thanks to Anna, Matt, and Joe. I hope you've taken something useful, even if only distraction, from this episode. We'll be back very soon with another episode. In fact, at the time that I'm recording this, we already have two of the next episode's three phone calls recorded. As always, you can find past episodes at dademag.com. That's D-A-D-E-M-A-G dot com slash podcast. And follow Bangkong Podcast on all of the social media things at Bangkong Podcast. Leave us reviews, share the episodes on social media so your friends find us, and make sure that you're subscribed wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Remember that you can go to datemag.com for more stuff, including episodes of Step Into the Sandbox, a podcast that's about interviews with creatives hosted by David Virjano. Last but not least, consider supporting the work we're doing over at patreon.com slash datemag. That's patreon.com slash datemag. Believe it or not, this stuff is free to listen to, but it's not free to bring to you. You can support us with as little as a buck a month, and that actually gets you access to some exclusive content that's only available to our patrons. Uh, with that, that's it. We're done for this episode, but we will probably be back within the next 48 hours 
with another three conversations with people from the food world. If you have a story that you would like to tell uh, on the podcast that you'd like to share with us, by all means, get in touch. It's Podcast at dademag.com. You can email us there. If you want to get in touch about sharing your story, just offering some kind of feedback, or if you want to advertise, we sell ads here, uh, and that, that helps a whole bunch. All right, take care. Bye.